This morning, we'll continue our study in Hebrews. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 13. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. We'll be speaking on the topic, the captain of our salvation, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the Christ that we've been singing about all morning. How precious it is to set our faith upon the one who in love died for us. How precious it is. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. Just for the sake of context, I want to start reading back at verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 2, I'll start reading at verse number 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man, that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. This is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God, I and the children of God has given me. This is God's word. May God add a blessing to the readers and the hearers of his holy word. As we began to set our focus upon our text before us this morning, It'll be good for us to remember that the author of Hebrews is writing to a Jewish audience, uh, to Jewish Christians. And and this is important because to the Jews, it, it to, to the Jews in, 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 in Jesus' day and in the time of uh, the first century, uh, many Jews saw that it was uh, inappropriate that their Messiah would suffer and die on the cross. Their Messiah, and in their view, the Messiah was to come back and and to rule and and in a sense, make things better on earth to come and and make life 
better for them on earth. And so when Jesus died, in their mind, Jesus uh, can't bring about that good in which the Messiah of the Old Testament was promised to bring about. Jesus dying on the cross to the Roman government meant that the, it was the ones that he came back to rule put him to death. That didn't make any sense to the Jews. Didn't make any sense that, that the Messiah would come and be put to death by the Roman government. And not just to, to the Jews of this time, to the Gentiles, the cross to them was foolishness as well. They viewed perhaps a cross that uh, a bloody cross like that in which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died and suffered. That was unworthy of a holy God. How can a holy God put his son to death in such a, uh, uh, in such a bloody way? That, that was that was foolishness for a holy God to bring this about. And you say, where where do you get that from? Well, Paul said he tells us of this. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, he says, For the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly or foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. If you're sitting here today, the cross makes sense to you because God has changed your heart. He has regenerated you. He has brought about a new birth in you. And, and because of that, in your view, as you read the scriptures, as you understand Christ and what the, the scripture prophesies about him and, and, and what he did and uh, when he lived his life to you, as you read about Christ and, and you read about his cross to you, it's, it's the power of God. It is the it is, to you. It is the most wise thing that a holy God can do for a sinful people. And by contrast to those Jews who viewed the, the cross of Jesus Christ as inappropriate, not fitting in the character of, of God. In light of this, the writer here says that we're going to see that the cross was appropriate it was fit it was right it was it was it was god's sovereign ordained purpose uh purpose and will in in the fact that jesus christ died on the cross christ dying and suffering qualified him to be the captain of our salvation the captain of our salvation leading us to glory what a wonderful truth that is. Look, look with me at the text. And we're going to start with asking the question, why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to suffer and die? And the first thing we'll see that Jesus had to suffer and die because his suffering and death was for God and by God. When we try to make sense of Christ and his cross, we need to start with God. We can't start with our desires, our wants. We have to start with God. Look at verse 10 and notice that the first word in the NASB is uh, in the uh, ESV is for. What does for do? For 
it, it, it gives us a reason. The writer now gives us a reason for what has been said in verse nine. What is said in verse nine is that, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. This is the first time in Hebrews that the earthly name of Jesus was used. And, and why is this significant? Why is it that the, the, the writer of Hebrews have moved from talking about the, the son of God. Now he is naming him as Jesus. This is his earthly name. Why is that significant? Well, in Matthew 1 and 21, we understand that Joseph was told that you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The son of God is a savior. He is a savior, a God in, in Christ. God in, 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 in his son uh, was, in a sense, by his grace, sending his son to die for his sons, for the, for the sons, which we'll read about here later on in the text. Jesus tasted death for everyone in order to bring many sons to God. And the son of God was only able to do this through the incarnation. It's important that we embrace the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the humanity of Jesus Christ. But Jesus in his incarnation took on himself a human nature and joined his divine nature to that human nature for the purpose of redeeming man, uh, mankind, those who are elect among mankind. That, that's only possible because Jesus Christ is the Savior. And so he says for pointing back. Now he's going to give a reason why this uh, what gives us a reason why this was appropriate. Notice what the text says for it was fitting. It was becoming. It was proper. What is it? What he has just said in verse nine. It was become. It was proper. It was proper. It was it was fitting that Jesus suffered death. It was right. It was right that Jesus suffered death. It was appropriate that Jesus suffered and died. It was in perfect keeping with the with the divine character and nature of God. It was fitting. It wasn't foolishness. It, if, if, if we understand a holy God and, and sinful man and, and that God had a purpose and in sending Christ to redeem sinful man, we understand that it was it was fitting. It was proper. It, it was it was in it was fitting and it was in line with the compassion and the grace of God, which the author spoke about in verse nine. God's great. It was it was it was fitting with God's gracious character. And as I said earlier, in order to understand the cross, we need to start with God. We 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 must begin to to with our understanding of who God is as he revealed himself in scripture. He is sovereign. Under his sovereign rule, that there is nothing that happens in the world that is a mistake or a chance. Jesus Christ dying and uh, suffering and dying was not a mistake. It, it was not chance. It wasn't the fact that God in some way 
lost control of what was happening to, to Jesus Christ when he died on the cross. The writer says, it was fitting. Notice what he says. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist. Who is the, the he in whom? This is a reference to God the Father. It, it was, notice that the writer says, for whom? This means that all things are created for God. That the, the goal of all things are, are God himself. He, God made all things for himself. Can I tell you something? Anything that happens in this sinful world does not happen apart from God's will, God's purpose. Everything is for God. God allows all the things that happen in this fallen world for himself. And that includes the cross of Jesus Christ. He and he why does God why did God allow why does God allow all these things, all the things that are that are taking place? Why why are these things for him? Because he desires that 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 he is glorified in all things. In good things. And we're talking about Jesus Christ. And in his cross, in his suffering and dying on the cross, that was for the glory of God. It was for the glory of God. Jesus' death and suffering was for God, and it was by God. It was according to his perfect will. It wasn't a mistake. It was the, the, the wise, divine, ordained purpose and plan of God the Father. In Ephesians chapter 1, which we read earlier, it says, that in him, talking about Christ, we have attained, obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him. Who is the him? According to the purpose of him, God, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. The cross of Jesus Christ was according to the counsel of God's perfect will. In Isaiah chapter 53, we read that in uh, Isaiah 53, verse 10, we read that it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Who is him? Christ. Yet it was of it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he sees his offspring and he prolongs his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And in a sense, what is the will of the Lord? Bringing back the restoration of man. Remember, we read Psalm 8 last week. And we talked about that Psalm 8 was God's original intent for man. And God's will is that now through Jesus Christ, that many will be restored and made fit for heaven. But who was the one who put Jesus to death? It was the, it was the Lord. It was his will to crush him. God allowed evil men to put him to death. Even our Lord understand, understood this. In Mark chapter 14, 
in Mark chapter 14. <clears throat> Even our Lord understood. He understood that what was taking place was the result of God the Father. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, and he, Jesus, said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, understood that what was taking place in his life and in suffering and ultimately in the cross that he would bear, he understood that it was God the Father bringing it about. Turn to chapter 15, verse 34 of Mark. Mark 15, verse 34, and it says, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, what, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, understood that it was God the Father who was bringing about his suffering and ultimately his death. And this is, this is a quote from Psalm 22, verse 1, which we'll read here in a few minutes. But it was, it was God the Father who put Jesus Christ to death upon the cross. He allowed sinful, wicked men who was going to be held accountable for what they did, but ultimately in, 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 in the full plan of God, God allowed that to happen. And once again, that, that should bring us hope because that means something in our suffering, that there is purpose and, 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 and a, and a plan uh, according to God's perfect will that is taking place in our life and our suffering. And turn to Acts, this last one, Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Pointing to the fact that Christ and his suffering and death was for God and by God. Acts chapter 2, verse 23. And here Luke writes, this Jesus, Jesus, the 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 the, the earthly name of the Son of God, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Jesus Christ according to the perfect will of God, was delivered up to evil men to be put to death. This text doesn't say that, that, that Christ was delivered up to death on the cross by wicked man's hands. That, that's not what the text says. The text says that Jesus Christ was delivered up to death on the cross by the determined the term determined will or counsel and foreknowledge of God. The, the, the principal cause of Christ's death was not an accident. It wasn't chance. It was 
according to the sovereign counsel and the eternal foreknowledge of God. And again, what does this mean for your suffering and my suffering? Romans 8, 28 tells us we're familiar with Romans 8, 28, right? This is why we we have Romans 8 and 28 in the Bible. We have it because Jesus Christ, he suffered for us. He died for us. Romans 8, 28, it says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. How how in the world can all the things, the good and the bad that take place in our life work together for, for, for our good? It's because God called us for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew in verse 29, he also pre predestined. God predetermined. He pre he put Christ forth. He he had he he God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, purpose and plan that Christ would come forth and that Christ would be the captain of our salvation. That he would lead the way. It says in verse 29, he he predestined to be that that uh, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, among many brothers. Christ died so that we might have a life in him and, and purpose in him. Notice what the text says. It says in bringing many sons to glory. This is God's purpose of allowing Jesus Christ to suffer in order to bring many sons to glory. This, this, is, this is God's purpose and plan through Jesus Christ. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Mark read this, Pastor Mark read this earlier. Ephesians chapter 1. And bringing many sons to glory. Think about this as we start reading at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us he, we're, God the Father has blessed us in Christ. He says, has blessed us in Christ, not with some spiritual blessing, but with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined or predetermined, uh, he, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. The only way that we are sons and daughters of God is that it is through the son, Jesus Christ. And again, according to the purpose of his will. God's perfect will was that many sons be brought to glory through the son. We who were enemies of God If you have trusted in Christ, you have placed your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are a son. You were you who were an enemy of God is now a son, a son in the son. We're called 
we are not called enemies any longer. We're called sons of God. And because we are sons, because we are in the family of God, Christ will bring us all the way to heaven. (laughs) We're a son. God will never put us up for adoption. God will never give up on us. This is possible through the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. Fortner in in his commentary said this. He said, our great God will bring all his sons to glory. Despite all the difficulties that lie in the way. Every believer shall persevere until the end because every believer is preserved by God himself. He says, though 10,000 hells So 10,000 hells lay between us and glory. Though 10,000 Satans roar against us, he says, not one of God's elect shall fail to attain unto glory because the glorious God has undertaken to save us. Praise God. That God has taken it upon himself to save us. And we will attain glory one day because of that. And you say, how is that possible? How is that even possible? It's because the suffering, the, the suffering of Jesus Christ His suffering and death qualify him to be a perfect savior. He's a perfect savior. This is God's purpose. Look at our text in Hebrews. It says, should make the founder, it says, in bringing many sons to glory, that he should make the founder of their salvation. This is is Jesus Christ. This is the kind of savior that he is. He is the founder of our salvation. He's the founder. He the, he's the captain. He's the pioneer. He, he is the leader uh, of, of our salvation. It, he brings many sons to glory. He's the pioneer of our salvation. It all starts with Jesus Christ. It's all rooted in him. And as we follow him, he leads us to glory. He leads us to glory. And this is only possible. This is only possible. Many reject this this fact that it's only possible that the son of God had to come in the incarnation. 
He had to be incarnated. He had to come into the world as a man. He had to live a perfect life. He had to, to suffer and die. And, and he did this in order to be a perfect salvation captain. He, he is perfect. He is, the, he is a perfect leader. He is a perfect captain of our salvation because he is like us. He came into the world as a man. He lived and he died as a man. And that makes him a perfect captain for our salvation. The founder of our salvation, Adam. And Adam, the, 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 the only place that Adam could lead us was to, to sin and death. But Jesus Christ. He in him, we have life and life more abundantly. John 14 6 says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. There is no way that that we're able to 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 experience the salvation outside of the pioneer, the perfect pioneer, the perfect captain of our salvation is Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He, he is the only way. And so how did God qualify Jesus Christ? How is he qualified to be the captain of our salvation? It's, the text says that God, per, uh, uh, that he was perfect through suffering. This is God's method of qualifying Jesus Christ. In order for Jesus Christ to be the, the captain of our salvation, it required that he be made perfect through suffering. Perfect through so You say, wait a minute. There was something that needed to be done in order to make to, to add to Jesus Christ. Well, when we're talking morally, Jesus was sinless. He was holy. He, he was perfect. So this doesn't mean that uh, this added to Jesus in a sense of, of morality or anything like that. But what this means that Jesus perfect through suffering is that now he's fully qualified to be our savior. He it was it was through suffering. It was through suffering of death that he is now fully qualified to be our high priest. And we're, we're matter of fact, turn to Hebrews chapter. Uh, uh, turn to Hebrews. Uh, look down at verse 17. In chapter two. It says, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers. This applies to the ladies as well, to like brothers and, and sisters in every respect, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make appropriation for the sins of his people, of the people. Christ became like us in order to suffer for us, in order to bring us to glory. Bruce, F.F. F. Bruce said this, he said, the perfect son of God had to become his perfect people's, his people's perfect savior, opening up, opening up their way to God. In order to become that, he must endure suffering and death. The pathway of perfection, which his people must tread, must first be trodden by the pathfinder, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He, he blazed the trail for us to obtain glory through suffering. And not only that, verse 11 says, for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. 
So this this is what Jesus have gained in his suffering. It was it was it was by the, the sovereign will of God according to, to to his perfect plan. But what did Jesus gain? He he gained solidarity between us and himself. He made us one. He who sacrifices, uh, he who sanctifies refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, it, it is through Jesus Christ, it is through his sacrifice upon the cross that we are sanctified. Hebrews 10 and 10 says we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Hebrews 10 and 14 says for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus Christ gave uh, his body that we through him are now sanctified. We stand before God as holy and righteous in Jesus Christ. It, it, it is because of Christ that when God looks down at you and me, when he looks at us, he sees us as holy and righteous. Not in anything that we've done, but in all that Christ have done for us. And this, 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 this uh, sanctification, in a sense, really points to our position in Christ because we don't always act holy, do we? We don't always live holy like we should. And this is a reference really to our position. Our position now is that, that we are righteous because we have obtained the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He, he became a man in order that he can save us and make us holy and righteous before God the Father. And this is a positional reality, even though we haven't obtained the fullness of that yet. It is a positional reality. So for those, for he who sanctify and those who are sanctified all have one source. And this is so precious. Notice what he goes. He said, this is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. <laughs> Jesus so identifies with us that he willingly calls us brothers and sisters. We are adopted into God's family and now we're sons and Jesus Christ calls you brother and sister. Listen to Hebrews 11, verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, I'm talking about those who are uh, those who embrace uh, God and, and who he is and, and Christ by faith. Therefore, God is not ashamed. God, <laughs> this is this is true of all of us who are in Christ. God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. God is not ashamed to be called your God because you are his son. Made a son, made a daughter in Jesus Christ. And the the author of Hebrews, he he cites a couple of Old Testament texts. He says in verse 12, I will tell 
And, and this is this is of Jesus Christ. He said, I will tell your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. This is this, this is a this is pointing to Jesus Christ. In Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse number 22. And if you look at the beginning of the psalm, we, we, this is a psalm of David, but it ultimately points toward to Jesus Christ. You see in verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that Jesus Christ said this upon the cross. And so this, this psalm points toward or points forward to Jesus Christ. And uh, from verses 1 through verse 21, it's pointing to the suffering of death and death of Jesus Christ. But there's a change in verse 22. The change is the re resurrection. And, and after Christ was resurrected, verse 22 says, I would tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. This, this is a, this again points toward Jesus Christ after his resurrection. And, and he just as, as all those who are in him, praise God. He said, I will sing your prayer. This, this is a reference to Jesus Christ. Verse 13, again, I will put my trust in him. Again, the son, we are, we are sons in Christ and we're so identified with him. And, 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 and Christ, he led the way and he had to trust in God during his incarnation, just like we are to, to live by faith and trust in God as well. Jesus Christ trusted in God to, to, in, uh, to, to bring him through in his suffering. He says, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, he says, I and the children. Jesus calls us his children. We are, we are children of Christ. And as he is, we are. We're free from sin. We're free from sin in Christ. And one day we will be like Christ when he comes back. We're, Jesus Christ calls us brothers. He calls us, he calls us children. We're so identified with Jesus Christ and uh, that he calls us his children. He says, behold the children God has, has given to me. Turn to Isaiah 53, verse 10. Again, it says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to death, uh, put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. And this is this is the this is what the Hebrew writer is referring to. The, the that we're the offspring of Christ. We're, we're the children of Christ. And, and we're the children of Christ because God has given us to Jesus Christ.
Beloved, you're part of Jesus' family. Jesus Christ is not ashamed of you. He is not ashamed of any of you who are his brothers and sisters who have trusted in him. And, and why is that possible? Because you're, you, you've been secured by his suffering. You've been secured by his suffering to death on the cross. He's not ashamed of you. When, when, when we face suffering, when we face trials and tribulations, God is for us because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And, and as we, we suffer, and because we identify with Christ, as we suffer and we look at our little sufferings, our, our little trials, they're, they're little, they're little suffering, they're little trials because of, of, of what Christ has done for us. Christ has suffered in a way that nothing that you and I go through in life can be compared to what he has done. His suffering, his suffering and and our suffering does not even compare. And praise God for that. That that you have one who who makes you uh, a son of God in the family of God, you are bro- he calls you brother. You have one who have given his life. He's suffered so that you may, even in your trials and tribulations, be able to endure. And that you can em- embrace the, the fact that, that God loves you and that he works all things together for good in your life because of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ did not die, we would not be able to live the overcoming life in this world. So, so, so thank God for Jesus Christ. Do not drift away from him. Do not uh, drift away from the reality that he came into the world as a man to die for you. Amen. Let us pray. Father, this truth is, is so precious. It is it is so precious because in the depths of our soul, we understand. We we, we understand the, the necessity of, of Jesus Christ coming into the world as a man and dying. It, it was necessary because there was no way, there is no way that we can come to you and please you in and of ourselves. Someone had to do it for us. And we thank you that Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. That he did the work. He led the way. He he made a path for us to follow. And we thank you for that. And And one day, when we stand in your presence, We'll join the great multitude (laughs) 
the great multitude that the book of Revelation says that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples, from all languages, we'll stand before your throne. We'll stand before the Lamb of God, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in our hands. And we'll cry out, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We start praising you even now because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.